there. Welcome to Talking with Tigglesworth. My name is RJL Tigglesworth, and I'm at your service. If you want to contact us, info at freedomwithintherapy.com, Twitter at vet underscore therapist, and Facebook at Freedom Within LLC. Mike and I are so glad you joined us today for this episode of Talking with Tigglesworth. You have a good day now, yo. And welcome to the podcast. My name is Colonel R.J.L. Tigglesworth, and I am at your services. And today, Mike and I have a guest with us, and we are going to be introducing him in just a minute. But first, I want to introduce Mike to the podcast. Mike, where are you at? Well, hello, Colonel. How are you today? And uh, yes, thank you. And we have a guest today, uh, George Meyer. He's out in California. He's an LMFT. Uh, same thing as me. And um, we're going to be talking to him about his experiences, and he's also a veteran who is a therapist. So as we say on this podcast, uh, he's another unicorn um, out there in the world right now. So um, self-care for us, as we always start off with, self-care for me has been continuing to, to build the baseball team. We got we have uh, nine players at the moment, which you need nine for the field, but we're also got to have two or more players coming tomorrow for do a workout. And so we will have a total of hopefully 11 players tomorrow, get our uniforms ordered. Uh, we've been getting sponsorships. So if anyone wants to sponsor the North shore Braves, you can go on Facebook and at North shore Braves, come uh, sponsor us, give us some money and we will send you some good pictures and stuff. Uh, if not, just follow our page for the support and we'll be good to go. As always, uh, Self-care is important, and we want you to keep up with it. So I'm interested to hear about what you got to say for self-care. So email us at info at freedomwithintherapy.com. You can tweet me at vet underscore therapist, or you can go to the Facebook page at Freedom Within Therapy, and I will connect with you. Um, or if the colonel might call you. You never know. You might get a phone call from the colonel. The colonel likes calling people now. Colonel loves to call his fans now, here. Colonel, you need to calm down there, right? So, hey, let's introduce George Meyer, LMFT from California. George, how are you doing today? All right, how are you doing? I am good, I am good. The colonel's got, in, he's gotten a tizzy today, so uh, we're going to just kind of let him go, 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 go get some water, Colonel. Um, so, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your military experience as you've been, you've been, you've been a, a good listener to this podcast. I think when, when some of the, some of the podcasts I look at and they might have, you know, 20, 25, 30 views, I think uh, I look at it and you're one of them all the time. So I appreciate, I appreciate you supporting the podcast. And uh, so I'm interested and I, I was happy to hear that you wanted to be interviewed to kind of talk about your experiences and talk about what, um, what you were seeing out there in California and, and being in the mental health, and as I said before, being a unicorn in this field. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that. Tell us about who you are, where you're at, and what you're doing right now. So uh, I'm a Marine veteran. I served in the United States Marine Corps Reserve for uh, six years, did one tour in Fallujah in uh, 05, 06. Um, and then when I came back, you know, finished with my bachelor's degree, became an EMT, uh, found out you can't make money with a bachelor's degree in psychology, so decided I had to go back for grad school. Um, and during my time as an EFT, uh, as an EMT, a lot of my uh, partners were like, "You should go into therapy. You're such a good listener." And 
and you know, I made the mistake of looking at like rates for, for therapists and I was like, Oh, they make good money. So, so I went ahead and pursued a career in uh, therapy only to realize that, um, working for agencies, you don't make a lot of money. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I've been, uh, I've been licensed now for about two, it'll be coming up on three years. Um, you know, started out working in a boys group home, a residential uh, group home for boys right out of grad school. And then I did a short six months in residential drug rehab. And then up until November of last year, I was working for the County of Ventura uh, with their youth and family division for, for two years. And then the last year in the forensics department working with um, mental health court, mental health diversion. So working very closely with the public defender, district attorney, uh, and probation to, to provide mental health services to individuals who have committed crimes. And rather than incarcerating them, we, we do our best to rehabilitate them so they don't reoffend. What was the, uh, uh, well, well, we'll get into that, but what I want to hear is, uh, what, what's near and dear to, 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 to Colonel and I, uh, what, what are some of the things you do out there in sunny California for self-care? So, Living in Ventura, beach, going to the beach. Uh, obviously, we, we live like, you know, 20 minutes from the beach with traffic. Um, I actually recently started getting into pottery, believe it or not. Um, and there's just, there's something therapeutic about sitting at a wheel with some clay spinning and going from like this stupid ball of mud to a cup or a bowl or a plate. Um, something about that process is very therapeutic to me. I haven't been on the wheel in a while i you know because of the pandemic everything is is moving and you know the, the time that we had at home became the checkoff on the honeydew list so the garage which is my pottery studio got filled up with a bunch of junk um but yeah I, I, that's kind of one of the things i do fishing i love fishing like like you, you you love fishing it sounds like you do lake fishing i suck at lake fishing i can't i i cannot catch anything in lakes or ponds i like ocean fishing is what i do going out on charter boats and things like that see i don't do that i, I want to do that uh there's a, there's a lot of charters that go out to the gulf and uh and i've done it in the past but i do i i do a little bit of lake fishing right here i live right off the right off the coast of um lake pontchartrain so if you gotta look have a look at the map of louisiana you see lake pontchartrain like sitting right in the middle of the southern louisiana um, but I, I think the majority of the fishing that I do is, um, I do a lot of river fishing. Um, it's right. So I, I, my boat is, um, is, is in the Marina right on the river. And so when I pull out the Marina, I'm in the river. And if I go left, I go straight to the lake, which is like a five minute ride. And if I go right, I'll go deeper into the river. So, um, I'll go back and forth, but I do a lot of river fishing, uh, just because th there's different species there and, and, um, when I get out there, I kind of like to be by myself and uh, you can find a nice little cove in the river and, and fish as opposed to being on the lake. When, when those trout are there, or those redfish are there, I mean, it's like every human being that's ever existed is in that area and um, they're just fishing and fishing and fishing. So, uh, yeah, fishing is great, but I'm, uh, ocean fishing, that's, that's something different. I've never done that before. You're not catching little bass in the ocean. What's the best thing you've made so far in your pottery? Mugs. I've made a lot of mugs. Um, I, I, my wife has made, had me make a few planters, so I make like a few one-piece planters. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been doing. I've been trying to make a beer stein, but for the life of me, it just turns into a big old coffee mug. Like not not quite big enough for beer, um, but perfect size for coffee. So <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. So when you talk about the forensics, uh, did you get a lot of veterans that was going through that incarceration program? And, and when I think forensics, what, from my experience, uh, when I 
known people that have done it. Uh, I think that they were helping to restore competency uh, to stand trial. Is that kind of what you was doing so as well? That was part of it, but that was that, that was handled by the doctorate level clinicians. So I, I can do that because they need a PhD. And actually, no, in California, there's a separate court for veterans that has to do with mental health. So the, there's veterans court. There's a mental health diversion, and then there's a drug diversion. Um, and so all three of those, the goal is rehabilitation rather than incarceration, but they have special teams for each of those populations. So the mental health diversion, mental health court is, you know, you have clinicians um, and you have case managers to, to help with like um, housing and stuff like that. For veterans court, you have, um, it's not the county that does the, the mental health portion for veterans court. I believe it's the local vet center, um, which is they're, um, they're a contractor for the VA. Um, and I only know that cause that's where, that's where I see my therapist is through the vet center. And they've told me like, Oh, Oh, so you do vet center. I was like, no, I do a mental health court. Oh, well we do vet center or vet court. I'm like, Oh, cool. And then uh drug, the drug, um, diversions they have, that's also through the county that we have our own uh, Ventura County has an alcohol and drug program clinicians and case managers to work. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Veterinary. I, I've, I worked there for about uh, eight or nine months during undergrad. I was a work study there. So I was just shuffling, shuffling papers and sending out letters. I wasn't, I wasn't a clinician at that point, but so I'm familiar with uh, those vet centers. And um, so what, what are, what's the rate right now that you're noticing with um, uh, veterans who are doing rehab or, or, or going to treatment? What's the rate that they are coming out successful as opposed to uh, just going right back into that system in that loop? So I actually, for veterans court, I didn't have, I was not a part of that. So I, uh, as far as the statistics for that I couldn't tell you off the top of my head I could I could look into it and find it out but I was not a part of the veterans court but from from what I understand from mental health court it's it I want to say it was only like 60 it was a 60 to 65 percent success rate if I'm not mistaken compared to you know just regular incarceration um so the and it's been going on mental health court's been going on for 20 plus years here in um California and then mental health diversion is the fairly newer um, aspect of that with within the court system here. So mental health court um, and mental health diversion are very similar with the exception that um, mental health diversion upon successful completion of that, all charges are dropped. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a benefit for them to do yeah, that. Yeah, there's a benefit for them to do that. But at the same time, it's, um, it's easy the the threshold for the, the support is there but their non-compliance will get them kicked out of that program a lot faster than mental health court so mental health court is more like think of it as like wraparound services everyone's there kind of it's more hand-holding but at the end of that um the only thing that happens is fines and fees are stayed um but the charge is still there um they can work towards getting it expunged later on but it's it's a lot more hands-on for that Gotcha. Gotcha. So when you think about the, the needs of veterans and, you, and you know, we got a lot of vets that listen to this podcast and we got some that are around the world and, and stationed in Europe and everywhere else. Uh, I mean, I'm, like I said before, and I, I said it a thousand times, I'm not Joe Rogan, so I don't have a million listeners, but um, what do you say to the veterans out, out there that uh, are hesitant to, to go into treatment or hesitant to uh, even address their issues 
because uh, one reason or another. Well, first, when you work with them, what do you tell well, first, The first thing I tell them is I get it. I, I completely get it. I understand it. I was very, um, I'll put it to you this way. I didn't realize I had issues from Iraq until I was in grad school and I, I read the, the, the diagnostic criteria for PTSD. You know, I literally, I read the, and I was like, oh my God, that explains so much of the crap that I've been going through. And then I went to my wife and I was like, hey, I think I got this. And she's like, you think? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean you think? She's like, I knew the day you got home, something was up. And I'm like, oh, wow. So um, one, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make you any less of a man. There's that stigma that, you know, we're head shrinkers. Oh, we're the head doctor. We're just, it's all about feelings and, oh, they're going to make you want to light incense and, you know, sing Kumbaya. That's not what therapy is about. You know, it's, it's literally, it's this, it's two guys talking. Um, what I love about working with veterans is that instant like camaraderie. And I've had, you know, the veterans that seek me out, they seek me out because I'm very intentional, intentional about marketing the fact that I'm a veteran and, and I have, you know, maybe not the exact same experience that you've had, but very similar ones. And that is something that I think is lacking in a lot of, of experience. Are you, my, sorry, my son's back here. <laughs> um, that, you know, yeah, that is, is it's hard and, and it isn't, it isn't something that a lot of veterans maybe are comfortable with discussing, right? Discussing a lot of the things that we've experienced and we've seen with civilians who, um, for all intents and purposes, Maybe they have an idea of what goes on back there, but they don't. They don't know. They don't have firsthand knowledge. They haven't. Um, they don't know what it's like to be in a foreign country getting shot at when your family's back home celebrating Christmas or Thanksgiving, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And like you, I, I'm I'm really intentional about the way I market my business and market myself. Uh, I don't shut the door to saying I don't take. You know, I take civilians as well. Uh, but my primary focus a lot of times is uh, military, military families and, and, and uh, veterans and their families, just because one, that's my passion, but two, it's, it's the, it's the niche in, in, in being in this field. Uh, I mean, as you know, when I lived in Olympia out there, uh, before I moved out to Louisiana, you could, you could throw, you know, a rock and you could hit 75 therapists on one block. And so uh, you had to be able to market yourself some way and being, being right outside of the base was the way to do it. So I definitely understand that piece. Uh, I, I recently remember you, you telling me online that you, uh, you put your toe into private practice, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, November 20th was my last day working for the County. Um, and that's, so that was the day that I decided to go full-time private practice. I've been full-time private practice since then. And it took me about a month to get a full caseload. Um, so here I am, two two months pretty much in a private practice, full case load, and I'm I'm loving it. I don't know. There's something about the freedom of being your own boss, um, you know, not having to, um, not being told how to provide therapy to individuals. That is great. And then and then the, the there's also that camaraderie and and the the networking with other private practitioners within the area. There's 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 a lot of through Facebook. I mean, you know, social media. There's a lot of um, private practice um, groups out there that um, and, and and specific to my area too, like the Ventura, Los Angeles area, where you know I'm starting to build a lot of relationships with other therapists that are that are in my area. Great. That that's wonderful to hear. What what are you um if if you were to tell the audience something that you are really specializing in or 
maybe not specializing in being like certified, but what is one focus that you work with? What one, one or two types of issues that you really, that you really enjoy working with and that if people were in your area listening to this, they would seek you out for these issues. So, excuse me. So a lot of what I, what I like to focus on is veteran issues. Um, You know, I have some clients who are veterans and what I'm noticing the one of the predominant issues with, um, not issues, but one of the predominant things that veterans go through is assimilating back into the civilian culture, right? Um, finding, and this is something that I experienced myself, is finding those relationships that you had in the military. When you're in the military, when you're serving, you're serving next to warriors. You're serving next to men and women who you know would give their life at a drop of a dime to protect you and the other people around you. When you're in the civilian world, you feel alone in that. Like you, you as a veteran, you still have that. You, you're with your family. You would still do anything. You'd still jump on a grenade for your family, but you don't know, is there anyone else that's willing to do that? That's around me. Like, is there anyone that, like, which is like, for me, crowds are like my biggest trigger. Like I'm, I'm always like making sure that, okay, where's that guy's hands? Why is that guy's hands in his pocket? What's in that bag? What's going on here? And um, it's because I don't, I don't know who else is around me there to protect me. And and typically in situations like that, I'm with my family and I'm having to protect them. But I'm noticing that a lot of the veterans that are coming to me, it's it's very similar trying to um, negotiate civilian relationships with the military mindset, right? Accountability being being one of the biggest things. Like, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of birds in the military. There's a lot of birds that aren't accountable for to save their life. But by and large, you have accountability, you have integrity in the, in the military, whereas that's a rare trait a lot of times in the civilian world, especially in like big areas like L.A., um, like in the big cities where there's like, you know, millions of people in, in a small, small mileage area. Everyone's out for themselves. Every, everyone seems like it's 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 Semper I F the other guy. Right. Um, so. I hear that a lot, and, and, and you have a you have a young man in the yeah. car, so the colonel's not going to know his name. So we don't say we don't know how to say birds on this show. We'll, we'll, we have another another word that uh, ends with bags. But um, there, there, there's people in the military just like that. It, it's a it's a small population, uh, however they exist, and and I do agree that the the transition issue is is a huge one that I see as well. Either getting off active duty or or just getting. Uh, getting back into the workforce and, and that's what I did before I started the practice when I worked at um the, the, the corporate office of Goodwill where we would help people find jobs, uh, we would help vets find jobs. Um so what was your transition like? I mean you you did you have a, a hard time um finding another job after or did you always keep it because you were uh you were in the reserve or so being in the reserves prior to deployment, it, for all intents and purposes, it was I was just a civilian, right? One week in a month, I was a marine. I was in the. I was like doing military stuff. The other twenty-eight days, I was I was going to school. Um, but the transition coming back from Iraq, yeah, it was tough. Um, I'm not. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I spent six months coming back from Iraq, drunk and playing Call of Duty. Like that's all I did for six months. My marriage almost fell apart. Um, I was not in a good headspace. Um, and then, you know, six, after that six months, the fog, lift, the fog lifted and I thought I was back to normal. I thought everything was fine. I was going back to school. I was, you know, uh, working. <clears throat> um, but needless to say, my wife knew I still wasn't the same guy. Um, <clears throat> so as far as 
Yeah, I guess for me, that transition, that six months after Iraq was the toughest part because, again, you know, going from a place where every day your adrenaline's at 100 to, you know, sitting at home on a couch watching Oprah, right? There's, there's very, very, and um, I think Oprah was already canceled by then, but or ended by then, but, you know, very different mind frame where it's like, you're used to that, which is why a lot of veterans, when they come back off deployment, they, they become adrenaline junkies, right? They, they, they buy motorcycles, they go into rock climbing, and I was just too lazy for all that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I see that a lot in the, when I, I, I do a lot of trauma work, and, and I recently started uh, doing EMDR, and um, I'm, I'm in that process of going to be getting certified pretty soon. And, well, not pretty soon, I'm starting the certification process. But um, it, it's that adrenaline is, is something that they see as a positive a lot and it, it helps them feel alive. But that's a major sign that, that something's missing for you and, and that you are, you are, you're headed down the road. And so I totally understand what you mean when, when I got back from Iraq. So I went over there in 03 to 04, um, I was active duty for eight years. And so we went over there at 03 to 04 and, um, I got back home and uh, my wife said, uh, you need to go get anger management treatment or we're not going to be together. And so same thing as you, like she's the one that recognized it. And at this point, when I got back home from Iraq, we didn't have kids or anything like that. Uh, kids came later. So um, I was able to, to get that anger management. But that's the thing that I try to tell vets all the time is that it, it, that's why we understand as, as veteran therapists is it, we're not immune to it. And we're not immune to, to, we didn't come back and just have a perfect life. We worked at it to, to get where we're at. And, and similar to you, when I worked at the vet center, that's when I realized that when I heard all these people coming in and getting therapy for PTSD and anxiety, and I would, I would see these groups and I would see these charts and, and the DSM was always laying around. And I was like, huh, yeah. that's what that's yeah. called, yeah. right? Like, and, and I was an un, I was undergrad. I mean, I was I was just starting community college, and so I didn't. Uh, I just got off active duty, and uh, yeah, the, I, I joined the reserve at that point, and then I got reactivated. So we got reactivated for another three and a half years. So that's kind of how I got my eight years of active duty time. Um, I was only reserved for like three months, three or four months. Reactivated, but so yeah. So we learned through experience. We just we just got exposed to it earlier. I think. Than, than maybe other vets who who don't necessarily uh, get into that into that mind space. So um, when you are working with them and and they are hesitant to the process, or if someone's listening to this and they're just unsure and they don't know where to start, what would you recommend them doing to start even before they come to your office? Um, I just do the research, like go out there, 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 the information is out there. Testimonials are out there. Um, <clears throat> finding a support group, finding, um, a group. So, so the problem with, with what we go through is we tend to isolate, right? Because yeah, there's not a lot of people out there that have experienced what we've experienced, but at the same time, there are, there are other veterans in your local community. Um, maybe reaching out to one of the organizations like the DAV or the Veterans of Foreign Wars. And I don't mean to go there and just drink all day long, which a lot of people do, but maybe finding the people there that are active and that can point you in the right direction. Um, finding, um, there, there are plenty of organizations out there that, um, that 
are out there to help veterans. And granted, not all of them are on the up and up. Um, but again, information being what it is in 2021, you can you can you can do searches on on different organizations out there to find to make your own informed decision, do your own due diligence. Um, and the first, the very first thing is just is just coming is just admitting that hey, something needs to change, right? Something. It doesn't that it doesn't mean you don't need to be medicated, you don't need to go into like residential treatment. But if 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 you're perfectly content with the way your life is going and you have absolutely no problems and everyone is is very happy with who you are as an individual, then yeah, maybe you don't need. You don't need therapy, but if there are things in your life that aren't going the way you want and there's any changes you want to make, then, then take inventory of that. Okay. What is it I need to change? Is it, is it that a lot of what's going on is a, is a medical issue? You know, like, am I, am I not taking care of my body physically and do I need to go get a physical and do that? Or is it, is it, um, a mental health issue? Am I, are my thoughts always negative? Am I extremely irritable at the littlest things? Am I, the kind of person that when someone says hi to me, I'm like, ah, go screw yourself, right? Or am I like, what is it about, what is it you want to change and how can you elicit that change? What do you need to get that change and do it? It may just be that you need self-care, right? Maybe maybe you, you get out of the military, you're a civilian and you go straight into providing for the family and your focus is on what does my wife need? What do my kids need? What does everyone else around me need? Maybe taking a step back and saying, hold on, what do I need, right? Do I need to go engage in some self-care do i need to take a nap do i need to go fishing when i go for a bike ride um and if that works for you great but again i'm, I'm a huge proponent in therapy and and i tell this to all my clients it's not just because i'm a therapist but it's, not only am i a therapist but i'm also a client right the, the old uh hair commercials um yeah because it's great to have someone that you can talk to that's not going to air your business out right I, I i make it a point also to tell every client whether civilian or veteran I'm not going to go anywhere and tell people, Hey, I got this client that da, 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 da. that's, that's not my job. Like, like that's not what it, I gain nothing from that. Um, and having that kind of echo chamber to talk about things that, you know, if you brought it up with your loved one might cause conflict. If you brought it up with your family might have you have them look at you differently. Like if you have those fears, um, you know, you, you have someone that can, you can talk to about that. That isn't going to judge you. That isn't going to make you feel bad about how you're feeling. Like, you know, one of the tenets of psychotherapy is unconditional positive regard, right? Which I know not every therapist practice that, but that's, I, I, I tend to practice that. I have a lot of clients who, who, you know, do things that, that in, in my mind, I'm like, Whoa, I would have never thought to do that. But I, so what do I do with that? It's like, so tell me a little bit about what led you to that. And I try to find out what it is that they were thinking, what process brought them to that decision and then kind of, okay, so, you know, picking that apart. But yeah, my, my thing would be to just take inventory would be the very first step. Absolutely. Take an inventory, noticing what's going on in your life and also uh, not, not being afraid to admit that life is is not going well and, and this is something that i wanted to ask you about as as someone who's working with vets and i don't know if you have a va contract or not i, I have one out here um i do a lot of va work and i do work with uh, tricare and and i see uh, tri tricare over here in, in in louisiana and i see some tricare in washington because i do a lot of telehealth for there as well uh but one of the things that I see and i notice, and i think i probably talked about this maybe once on one of the other podcasts is do you see veterans 
specifically veterans with disability ratings, do you see it being disincentivized for them to get well? So I'm, uh, I am paneled with TRICARE, but my experience is, is yeah, there, there is that, right? Like I, I just got, I just got, uh, what is it? Um, what, what, you know, where they check up on you every five, five months, five years. Um, yeah, recredentialed because yeah, it is. And, and I've, <clears throat> I've had colleagues who have gotten better and it's like, oh, well, we had you at 60%, but we're going to go ahead and, you know, since you're no longer experiencing those symptoms, we're going to bump you down to 40. And it's like, and I, I get that. Let's, let's have, you know, if, if it's needed in order to help other veterans. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like that veteran is now not going to want to get the help and support that, that they, that they dearly need because it's like, well, you know, this is something that benefits me. This is like, you know, just the, the fact that, yeah, it absolutely. It's decentralized to get better because, um, it, it, I don't know. It's to answer your question in a short answer. Yes. It's decentralized. Yeah. No, it's a long question. And it's intended to, to elicit some response from you because I, I feel that that's a, a barrier and not only, not only mental health care, but, but healthcare in general, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a barrier. And, and, and we're in the field of helping people and we're in the field of, of trying to help people uh, loosen their barriers and, and lift their barriers. Uh, but if the, if the exact system that's helping pay for their therapies or, or get them the health care that they need is creating that barrier, uh, how do we address that as a, as a, as a one, as, as a veteran, but how do we address that as a, as a healthcare um, need? And, and I tell people all the time, you know, you go to a civilian doctor and you want to tell them how much better you're doing, how much it's uh, helping you, and, and you're going to see them a lot less. And when you go to the VA, you got to kind of do the exact opposite. You got to talk about how it's not helping you, because if you do get better and, and, and maybe you get better enough to say, hey, today's a good day or, or, or yesterday was a good day. It doesn't mean that you won't still have the problems later on. And, and I think that's the issue is the VA rates you, they consider it, how functional are you, right? And that we're going to rate you on how functional you are. So if you're 70%, like I am, then I'm 30% functional. Well, just because at that moment in life, that year, maybe, maybe something happened, maybe, maybe, you know, my blood pressure went down or whatever, maybe I changed my diet. And so now you say I'm 40 or 50% functional, you cut down my ability to, to have these, uh, these benefits. Um, but it doesn't mean it's going to last because it, we don't know the results of, of the exposures. For example, I have headaches every, every, every day, every day of my life, I have headaches and I've been dealing with the VA since Oh four about these headaches. And the, the, if I tell them, Hey, you know, this particular medication really helped my headache then they send me into that reevaluation process and say, well, you, you, but we don't know what the chemical exposure is going to do that. I, you know, I was around burn pits. I, we was stirring our own feces, you know, we had to burn that stuff. So uh, I think their system is so flawed in that sense that, that veterans intentionally, a lot of times and from my experience in my, in my knowledge, because I, I hear it in my office, cause I can't say anything, but a lot of them intentionally 
won't take their medicine for two weeks before their appointment or intentionally won't take their blood pressure medicine before they go in or intentionally won't uh, wear the, the, the brace that is they're given because if they do, they lose their benefits, they lose their livelihood, and they don't know if they can make the money to make up for that because they may not be able to deal with it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's sad because it's, it's the same like with the military. Like a lot of the, one of the biggest analogies that I use with veterans is how like the VA healthcare system and, and, and all that, it's basically you're a cog in the machine and all they're trying to do is give you enough oil until you can work. And you know what? If you can't work anymore, we'll replace you and get another cog. And that's pretty much what it feels like as a veteran. It's like, like you said, you know, if you're feeling good this one day, then they're going to say, okay, that's how you are all the time. I mean, prime example, you know, I got back from Iraq in 2006. I've, I've, I've been doing the work. I've been doing great. I've been doing fine. About a year ago, I was driving down the freeway. Highway patrol was picking up trash on the side of the road and it looked something like a, like a propane tank to me. And I freaked out. My family was in the car. I swerved. I sped off. And I was like, oh, oh. And my wife's like, what are you doing? And and I had to stop. And I was like, oh. And, and it was this weird, like, I, like, had to check myself. Like, why did I respond that way after I've been doing so good for so long? And it's like, you know what? A trigger's a trigger. It's going to come up when you least expect it it's going to come up when you think you're everything's fine and everything's good in life and then one little thing and it could be a visual trigger it could be an auditory trigger it could be a smell a certain smell can put you on edge um and i think that's what i think the va looks at is like oh those are outlying events that's not the norm right oh if you're you, but 99% of the time you're fine. So we'll just forget about that 1%, right? That'll, that'll wear off, like rub some dirt on it. Like, no, that's not how that works. And that 1%, you know, it's much higher, but that 1% can really dictate, dictate your life. Um, and so healthy, uh, healthy coping, right. As we talk about self care, that that's, that's the important piece there. And, um, you, you know it, and, and but when we when we try to explain to them, okay, go do these things and, and go go fishing, go hunting, go whatever, um, and it's kind of like the chicken and the egg, right? It's like, well, a lot of people say, well, when I'm not depressed, I'll go out and do something. But a lot of times, you're not going to go out and do something until you're not depressed, you know. So you gotta you gotta fake it till you make it kind of mentality, and uh, getting them to do that. So what role do you see social media playing in how people isolate, especially vets, how they isolate and, and, and not only isolate, but how they can become more and more withdrawing and, and, and negative based off their, what they view on social media? Well, it's, it's a blessing and it's a curse because, I mean, they find what they need in social media, but unfortunately it's just on the computer screen or on the, on, on the telephone, right? They, I'm, I'm a, I'm a member of different veteran groups. Like, you know, even ones that are specific to Marines and it's, they find that camaraderie. They find, Oh, here's a group of people that have experienced the same thing I've experienced. But then even in those groups, you have, 
you have the the confidence cowboys, right? Like, oh, rub it off, or oh, don't do that. Because and, and I see in a lot of these groups, there are people reaching out for help. There are people like, hey guys, I think I'm gonna eat a bullet tonight. And then you have the comments like, don't do it, brother. Here, give me a call. Hey man, do this. And you have the good the 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 people that are going out there and they're legitimately trying to get this guy help. And then you have the trolls. They're like, oh, that's not the easy way. Come on, suck it up, Marine. Let's do it. That's not what we do. It's like. That's not helping this guy right now. Why? Why are you talking trash to someone who's extending a hand out? Um, so it's it's a blessing and it's a curse. You, yes, I've seen beautiful interactions of people reaching out for help and and then and then in the comment section seeing it playing out to where someone actually goes and physically finds that guy and gets them the help they need. Finds that guy or gal and gets them the help they need. And then I've seen people just troll people for reaching out for help. It's like, don't, just because, and, and, and yeah, again, there are birds, right? There are birds that are in the military. There are birds that are veterans. And and sometimes that, 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 unfortunately, that, that, that's what gives people that, that sense of they're just looking for attention is the fact that some people do make that post of it's not a good day today. I think I'm going to eat a bowl or whatever it is. And then they won't respond to anyone that's, on there, but you clearly, you clearly know that they are there. They were just there. And so I think that gives people hesitation a lot of times, but I also agree with you um, that it could be healthy and unhealthy. And so one of the things that people come to me when they say, Hey, what do you do for coping? Uh, what do you do for, for fun? Um, kind of what you said, you sat on the couch for six months playing uh, call of duty. Uh, I tell people in moderation, video games can be okay for you. Uh, but what we see is we'll see we'll see these these vets a lot of times that will play the Call of Duty. They'll play the the Halos and the all, all the. I, I don't play games very much. I mean, I might play a Madden every now and again, but uh, they'll play all these games and then they'll wear they'll wear the gear, the you know the 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 the, the rust shirts and all that kind of stuff. And then they go out and and they perceive other people are not liking them for whatever reason. And then that puts them to a spiral as well. So um, what are you telling these people that say video games is my only cope? I would say that's fine, but let's, again, like you said, in moderation, right? Yeah, okay, fine. Video games are going to cope. Let's find some that aren't as competitive. Like, you know, maybe maybe a single-player game is better than talking to a bunch of, you know, drunk college kids or prepubescent kids that are doing nothing but trolling you online right like oh you suck oh i can't believe you did that and then what's our go-to i you haven't even been there man this is a video like <laughs> that whole like macho and that just that just aggravates you even more but there's actually because i'm a big video gamer i'm a big board gamer and there's actually have there's been studies and there are certain groups out there that are running dungeons and dragon groups for veterans because Studies have shown that in, in utilizing tabletop role-playing games like that, when you're interacting for those characters, the same synapses are firing as if you were having that experience in real life. So in the in you know, if you're let's say you're an elf and you go, you come across this army of, I don't know, goblins that want to attack you and you have to you have to utilize diplomacy as the elf, um, you're engaging the same synaptic responses and, and a lot of times people will get heated. But then when they're reminded, hey, man, 
you're not really an elf. Those aren't really goblins. You're at a table. Calm down. And it's like, oh, so then they can get out of that reptilian part of their brain, you know, re-engage the logical part of the brain and be like, okay, let me do this. And, you know, I I did that with kids for a while when I was working for the county. I ran a a social skills group for kids using Dungeons and Dragons. And I noticed that, yeah, a lot of the things that they they were dealing with in life, they would model in the game. And just that reminder of, okay, stop, you're not really a bugbear, you're, you know, so-and-so, and and you're in the room here, and there's not really a dragon about to bite your head off, it's just all pretend. So now, what skills have you learned in your therapy session with your therapist that that you can tell your character to use, right? And so, finding ways to, to, to use what it is you do enjoy in, in a productive way, right? So, like, I use I use video games with kids I work with. I use video games. I use board games because, you know, I've, I've looked into how that can benefit people therapeutically. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize the studies on the um, on the on the games with um, Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. I've kind of I never really got into that kind of that those kind of games. I was always uh, um, I was always just outside, you know, playing sports and stuff like that. Never really got into that. But I do a lot of. <laughs> feeling type games with kids and, and, you know, um, the, the dice games where you, you, you put your finger on, on a certain emotion and you talk about that emotion or cards. So games do that their part, especially with kids, because kids learn, learn through playing. And, uh, so I can see how that would be a beneficial and, and, uh, I guess beneficial for the adults as well. Um, do you do any type of, um, any type of volunteer work or any type of outreach work with, with other organizations like veterans organizations um i i haven't no like i said i'm just two months into private practice i actually just recently interviewed for an organization that works with first responders called um 911 at international um and so i am mm-hmm. going to be working with them it's it's not volunteer work because it is it is paid but i do i i did offer to um provide like um not classes, but like lectures on specifically on the stigma of mental health, because I know, you know, coming from the, the military background, there is a stigma. Um, and I know with law enforcement and firefighters, there's also that stigma of, you know, not wanting to go there because the biggest fear is, oh, I'm going to go see a head shrinker. They're going to take away my badge. Right. And it's like, and, and especially now with everything that's going on in the country with being law enforcement and, and, you know, you're, you're going out there helping people that, don't like you, don't want you there, want you to not have a job, want you to just, you know, they just, for whatever reason, they're not happy with me. Sorry, my phone's overheating, so I had to get it out of the sun. Uh, um, so yeah, that's kind of what, what is the next step for me as far as um, volunteering. It's more of the um, the first responder. Because I, I live, again, in Ventura County. We're right next to Port Wainimi, Port Magoo, right, right these. There's a lot of veteran organizations out here. And actually, I should probably look into them as far as like volunteering, but currently, no. Yeah. What are some ideas? I mean, I, like I, like you said, I do I do volunteer work, but I it's I, I guess it's, it's volunteer in the sense where I, I leave my practice for the week. Um, but I do I do get a little a little uh, compensation for doing it. Um, I do something with a wounded warrior project called uh, Project Odyssey, and uh, they there's there's Project Odysseys all around the country and for different. Mm-hmm different wounded warrior project um uh groups so where if they're in california they go certain places if they're here so and what it is is it's usually a week-long retreat uh with either males or um or or uh couples and we we talk about uh, the act and uh acceptance commitment therapy and we talk about how they can how they can um 
overcome some of their issues that they're having. So with that, um, what are your plans for the 2021? You have any plans going on right now? Uh, for me personally, it's just um, maybe getting my, my private practice schedule like um, set as far as right now I'm seeing clients um, pretty much mon- six days a week. And I want to, I want to give it, I want to have Mondays off. So I have, um, I don't have, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. Um, and probably yeah, doing a lot more, like getting a lot more certifications, a lot more training in order to, to be able to help that community, like first responder, veteran community um, more readily. You know, I've been, I've been on the fence about, should I take the EMDR training? Should I take the brain spotting training? There are all these different, modalities that are popping up now and trying to find out okay which one one do i want to do two yeah am i willing to put the investment uh, in to be trained for best investment right. for me i mean it, it was uh it's a long training that was two uh two complete weekends of training and it was uh you know it, it, it's costly but uh and, and you go you get a lot of consultation you gotta pay for it but it, i think it's worth it and, and the 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 investment that I've made so far in MDR and what I've seen from people has uh, the changes that I've seen from people has been miraculous. So I, it's, it's so good working with trauma and anxiety and it's so good working with um, uh, just depression and just those negative cognitions and helping connect right brain and left brain. So I would definitely, definitely recommend doing EMDR. Um, so before we get out of here today, George, um, I wanted to thank you for, for, uh, for joining us and, and hopefully you and I can have another conversation uh, another maybe another podcast in the future and um we'll we'll see uh we could talk about some other other veterans issues because there's probably a lot of um cross work that you and i do that that might be interesting to to the public and um but i want to give you a chance to plug your business because you know you're a listener and, and you're a veteran's own business and you know i always do a segment at the end for veterans own businesses so Talk a little bit about your business. Give the name, give the website. And uh, if people are in Ventura County, California, or around that area, go see George for, for some therapy. My, my practice is called Secure the Mind Therapy Services. Uh, you can find me at www.securethemind.com. Um, and then also, if at any chance you happen to be at the Gallifrey One Doctor Who convention every year, I do sell bow ties there too. So. <laughs> That's cool. I'm a big, That's cool. I'm a huge uh, somebody man. goes to the conference and sees George uh, buy a few bow ties from him. Um, so my business is Freedom Within Therapy. Uh, Freedom Within LLC is my business name, but my Facebook page is at Freedom Within Therapy. Uh, you can tweet me at, at vet underscore therapist, or you can go and say hi to the North Shore Braves at North Shore Braves um, on Facebook or NS Braves 20 on Twitter. And, um, I really appreciate y'all listening to this today. I hope that you've learned something or just something's keyed your mind and maybe said, you know what? I think it's time for me to go get a little bit of help. Um, there's no shame in it. You know, as, as you heard, George and I are both therapists and we've both engaged in therapy and, and, and do ongoingly uh, because it, it's not only a benefit, but it's, it's something that's needed for your health. So uh, the Colonel just wants to say, y'all have a good day now, Hill. Y'all take care and we'll see you. We'll see you later. Call me the